Hello, 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 and welcome to episode three of Gamesphere. As the chiptune theme fades away, you are, of course, greeted by yours truly, Chris Ware, that's me, and I have another delightful show for you good folks today. Today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Xenotic, which turns 10 uh, this month, so not quite old enough to drink, but certainly not a toddler. I'm going to be talking about Deus Ex Mankind Divided and how it measures up against its indie competitor, Neon Struct, two rather good games that I would like to just be making a bit of a brief comparison. Uh, also, I'm going to be talking a little bit about some interesting multiplayer titles I've been playing with lately, Don't Starve Together and, of course, Portal 2, two classics in my humble opinion. And I'm also going to be talking about a wonderful open source game that has come out of the Libra Jam uh, for this month of the year 2020, of course, uh, which has been an experience and perhaps one that you can join me with at home. Who knows? Anyhow, let's get down to it. Xenotic turns 10. And that's just charming. I love the game. Uh, we recently played it on the last uh, Destination Linux Network uh, game fest. So what I will do is I'll link to the gameplay of that down in the uh, show notes because it's it was really fun. And, you know, to be fair to Noah, he's a lot better than he lets on. He makes out that he plays games like once a year. Well, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. I mean, he wasn't necessarily as good as yours truly, just saying, but like, you know. Anyway, definitely worth a look. It was an absolute blast, pun intended, but um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it, it really is quite quite the charming game. For those of you that don't know, Xenotic is a first-person modern day incarnation of of what you might hope for with some of the older unreal tournament games i must admit i've not really been following the newer ones but yeah you're looking at arena shooter capture the flag domination that kind of thing with some sort of space agey weapons some character customization all open source most likely in the repository of your distribution or failing that it will be in i don't know i believe there's probably a flat pack for it um uh, it, it's it's around i mean it's so common that i can't even remember which version i typically jump to probably usually the one that's in the uh, distro repositories but but who's to say who's to say really uh good to see that it's still being maintained uh and when it's one of those games that doesn't like require a particularly hefty pc it's got very simple mechanics and it's freely available that to me is what makes a really good multiplayer game because it means that you can just be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to invite some friends and just we're going to play something. We don't. It doesn't, you know, matter if your friends own the game, whether or not they've got a top of the range PC, uh, any any of that business. Um, and it's just nice to have a good old straightforward uh, game. I I remember playing um, it, its predecessor in like little LAN parties that me and my friends had back in my teenage years, and we had an amazing time with that. Um, yeah, like it's not necessarily perhaps the most unique experience going. I like the, the the variety of weapons. I like the the layout of the level design. I got to admit those kind of levels where you know you fall off the end of the world and then die. I, 
not those aren't always my favorite because maybe I always end up getting shot off or I like panic and forget where the walls are and stuff like that. But by and large, I like the sort of the, the ammunition. Like it's a well like lit game. Uh, if you know what I mean, like the lighting and the, the sort of all the dynamic effects really are just really quite beautiful as well. Um, you know, with the lasers and, and all of that kind of stuff. Certainly a game that, that I, I, I recommend. I do bounce around on the single player from time to time, but you're really up against bots in that regard. And uh, it's it's a game that really does sort of lean itself more towards the multiplayer element than the uh, than the single player. But you know, if you want to hone your skills, there's there's ample opportunities to do that in the uh, in the single player offerings. But uh, if you're uh, perhaps you know trying to get on the ladder, perhaps if you don't feel competitive enough to go into a public server or anything like that, uh, it does have options there. Um, but yeah, it's it's a grand old game. I certainly do uh, do. I I recommend uh, it, you folks to pick it up. I'm sure many of you folks have have, have enjoyed it uh, in any way, shape, you know, like in its capacity. Anyway, uh, there is of course a blog post on the Zonotic website celebrating the 10 year anniversary. Um, I'm just going to read the first paragraph. It goes, greetings, everybody. This year marks the 10th anniversary since the first commit was pushed to Zenotic's repositories 10 long years and still going strong. It's truly incredible to see how far the game has come during that time. Many battles fought and friends made along the way. Uh, the post goes on to, to give some um, thank yous and thoughts on where the game is. Uh, but yeah, like it, it truly is a charming game. It's something that holds a corner of my gaming heart. Uh, Zenotic is available under the permissive GPL version 3 license for those of you. So it is proper open source, available on Linux, Mac OS, and Windows. Um, but yeah, you're looking for a good arena shooter that is accessible to lots of people. Um, good old Zenotic. Never, never had a problem finding players to, to play it against on that particular game. And, um, and I really do, I really do quite like it. It, of course, is open for contributions. It true, you know, like it's, it's an open source game in the truest sense of the word. Some open source games will have like a, you know, will be like a one man band type of thing where there'll be one developer who, who is, is focused on it, but because of their, uh, sort of deeper philosophy they feel compelled to open source it but this is this is like a community effort and it's what a lot of people turn to when they when they think of and look to open source games on linux and that's it's good it's a good cornerstone of the open source uh, arena shooter now there are other arena shooters some of which perhaps call upon nostalgia a little bit and in the future i will probably be taking a look at something like open arena which is more you know sort of based in the traditional era of the arena shooter your quake arena type of uh, type of games this definitely has rolled better with the times um and there are a few other arena shooters that it um that it is uh standing side by side with and i'll probably take a look at those also in episodes to come um but yeah, lots of nice active servers. I'm just looking at all the stats pages now, and it's good. The favorite map is uh, is After Slime, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, but yeah, uh, I love it. I love it all. I love it all. So, uh, on to the next segment. But uh, yeah, check it out if you haven't already. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about a game which I have enjoyed in a rather 
ambivalent capacity as of late, right? So to begin, uh, Libra Jam is a monthly game jam which begins at the beginning at every month and uh, is, as you might expect, a game jam where uh, open source games are, are developed and um, and are pitted against each other in a battle to the not death. So one of these competitors I was looking through uh, is called Star Drag. Star Drag is a game. Oh, I should say that the theme of this month's um, game jam is engineering in space. And Star Drag is a game made in the Godot or Godot engine. And I love seeing games made in the Godot engine. It does, uh, to me, symbolize a real boon of open source gaming development. And this game is it's a simple 2D game, all open source. You use WS, A, and D to control this spaceship. You have to fly from one planet to another without getting caught in the orbit of often other planets and without getting in the way of other spaceships. It's a little bit like Angry Birds, but spaceships. And I... It... it it's very frustrating because it's it's it is a bit like Angry Birds with spaceships. Um, it feels so rewarding when you actually manage to like glide this spaceship right down into the planet that you're you're looking for, dodging other spaceships on the way, uh, using the gravitational pull of the other planets to just you know power yourself with momentum and sometimes and you have a fuel uh, gauge. You can at times if you're not particularly efficient run out of fuel. And if you're lucky, the gravitational pull of some of the other planets can guide you in to uh, the, the place that you need to land in order to, to progress in the game. Um, each time you um, uh, do a successful flight, you then get three tries at the next one, uh, which get reset after every successful flight, which is good. Uh, I, I, it's nice once you've actually like completed that that section of the game, you're safe, you're, you can just then carry on as you go. And then you just rack up uh, points from there as uh, as you, as you progress, more spaceships are in the way to interfere uh, until you you cannot you know until until you cannot carry on any longer. Uh, the ship is difficult to control. Uh, the mechanics itself are, are are difficult by design. Like that is part of the the game mechanic. They're logical. They make sense. They feel um, uh, you know they feel right as it were, and uh and it is difficult like it really is a difficult game i had to sit down for uh for, for quite some time to actually work out strategies and and rhythms of the game and while it is a very simple game it's one that actually kind of is at least to me if you're if you're interested in you know mechanical games uh and games that that sort of draw you in through those mechanisms you'll you'll probably get a get a you know, decent amount of of, of interest out of it. Uh, again, you know, game game jam games are not necessarily made with the intent of of you know extended periods of 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 keeping you in, uh, but rather, you know, they're usually like um, I don't want to say gimmick because that kind of sort of underwrites them uh, more more than they should. You know, but like it, it it takes a mechanic and it focuses on it and it does that thing well. I actually really like game jam games for that reason. Like they have that focus that a lot of bigger games don't have and then they can zero in on that focus they can do that one thing they can have that one mechanic they can do it really well and then um 
and then you can get sort of your enjoyment out of that. Like I like simple games, I like straightforward games, and uh, and and by extension, I often like to bounce around various game jams to see what is, uh, you know, what's what's being being made out there. So I'll of course put a link to star drag in the description below uh and please like let me know how you get on with it is it as difficult as i think it is i think it's really quite difficult so i'm going to put that on there and and it is raging rage inducing like it's like another spaceship flew into me or or the gravitational pull of that giant star or whatever is just like knocked me off course and i like that it's in short beats as well so every you know uh you know whether or not you succeeded or failed in a very short amount of time, and, and it doesn't drag you out. You're not carrying on with a with a with a flight, not knowing whether or not you're gonna. You know, you're, it's like if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. You can crash into other spaceships. You can crash into other planets. Um, and then there are, there's a whole selection of levels that you can do, which fundamentally equates just various arrangements of, of planets and such. Um, simple, effective. I like it. It's um, and it's just a download and run type of affair. So like I say, I'll put the link to it. I'll also put a link into the Libra, Libra Jam uh, Game Jam as well, because I think that would be of interest to many of you good folks. But I do have to say, it's worth a look. It's worth a look. Some of you are going to hate it. I won't lie. Some of you are going to hate it. Um, but if uh, you know, some of you are going to, you know, it's going to scratch an interesting, it's going to scratch that itch of, of, you know, wanting a to, to fly, you know, like to, to have that, to have those moments where you've just pulled off a trick shot, uh, where you've just glided through as you, as, 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 as you imagined in your head and you've, uh, you've pulled off a good landing and everything. And it's just like, nice. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's, it's good. Those games are good. Like it's, um. It is, and, and I do like, you know, I'll probably bounce back a few, tri- um, you know, like Game Jam games in future episodes, because, I mean, they're just, they're just f- interesting, like, it's, 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 in many cases, they're games made by people who, who don't make games, they'll make other pieces of software, or, or, or it'll be a hobby to them, and, and seeing that sort of breath of fresh air into gaming is, is, I think, worthy of note, but, uh, um but yeah let me know uh how you get on with it if you decide to try it all kinds of terrible things can happen when you don't take care of your digital security and that of course includes your passwords the password manager used and trusted by the destination linux network is bitwarden Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentications such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all the things to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams and businesses to store, share and sync sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com forward slash DLN to get started for free. To make things even better, Bitwarden is 100% open source. You can self-host and their code is audited. Go to bitwarden.com forward slash DLN to get started for free. The $10 a year premium account gets you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, time-based one-time password authenticator storage and generation priority customer support so from the bottom of my heart i would like to thank bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of gamesphere and for all around being a good egg 
to the Destination Linux Network. Thank you very much. So I've recently completed Deus Ex Mankind Divided uh, on my Twitch stream uh, at the request of quite a number of, uh, of, of my viewers. And I'd like to share a few thoughts on it, but also uh, I'd like to compare it with an indie game which seeks to get a foothold in a in the same genre, really. So Deus Ex Mankind Divided is the latest game in a long-running franchise near and dear to my heart, the Deus Ex franchise. I grew up on the first Deus Ex game, and I remember that Deus Ex Invisible War, the first sequel in that franchise, was one of the first games like I was genuinely hyped about when, you know, you're like waiting for new news about the game and you're excited and something's coming out and, you know, and, 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 and you've got that anticipation. That, like, Invisible War, I think might have been one of the first games that I really felt that for. And I feel it very rarely uh, since then uh, at all. And, and even though Invisible War, the second in the franchise, got slated by the reviews, I must say I enjoy it, and it's probably one of my favourite in the uh, in the entire franchise. So they try new things in Mankind Divided that you haven't seen in, in previous Deus Ex titles. This is the first Deus Ex game where there are missions in daylight. That, to me, does not feel like Deus Ex. It just doesn't. Uh, another thing that is different is that you it's set in Prague, uh, where no previous game has, has been set, but Deus Ex is a jet-setting, around-the-world kind of game, so that's, that's not necessarily unexpected. But what is unexpected is that the Prague hub is the only one in the game. Uh, whereas with other uh, previous Deus Ex titles, you would go from city to city to city and you'd have like lots of small hubs that you'd visit along the way. You kept returning to Prague and it was much bigger than your standard Deus Ex hub level and there was more to it, uh, but it also changed quite dynamically from visit to visit over the course of the, the, the time of the game. Uh, sometimes it, it, it really was not a fun level to be in sometimes it, it was but i do kind of feel that it was perhaps a little big uh in terms of size for a deus ex level uh and whilst it was kind of interesting for them to take this approach it it kind of didn't feel like deus ex deus ex has a very specific feel very specific atmosphere that's the thing that the game really drew people into and i feel that mankind divided started challenging the the part of the Deus Ex franchise that they did best. And I feel that that didn't necessarily... I mean, that's a high-stakes gamble. That's a high-stakes gamble. With, for example, previous titles like Invisible War, um, with, for example... Uh, I mean, with, with um, Human Revolution as well... Uh, you had smaller hubs, and uh, I will say that Deus, uh, that uh, Human Revolution fell into a similar trap where the hub levels were perhaps a little bit on the large side. But at least with um, mankind, uh, with uh, Human Revolutions, it the the levels did feel more dense. With Mankind Divided, it felt that a lot of the levels were spread out. There was there were a lot of segments in the game where there just wasn't that much like one of the things i loved about deus ex is it was a sort of open world game but there was it was dense there was lots to do lots to find lots to discover in very small uh smallish open world spaces right so it was open world but it was small so it meant that without too much work you could become really familiar with the level which you know 
allowed for great replayability because it can make you think, oh, what happens if I did that? Or what, what happens if I came in through there? Oh, I came in through the sewers last time, so I'll come in through the, the roof the next time and all this kind of stuff. And because you had a greater grasp of all of the levels without having to put so many hours into the game, you know, you 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 had a greater chance to plan your next maneuver, plan your next, uh, you know, point of entry and all that kind of stuff. Um and Mankind Divided, I, yeah, it kind of feels like too much, too much in 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 that regard. Um, and there were a lot of places that just didn't, that would just that just looked like they were there for decoration rather than. And and there are places in the original Deus Ex games that are there for decoration, but they tell a bit of the story. The thing is with with um with, with Mankind Divided is that the the little stories of the characters you meet does not feel real because in a lot of cases the stories are just told to you through dialogue whereas in the original deus ex you would like look through someone's apartment and you would find how they lived and you would and they would show you the story it was you know like the original games were much more show don't tell and i find this a lot with a transition between older games to modern games and to me it just it the the reasoning seems obvious it's in many ways uncreative storytelling, and now that we have the means to basically make games as big as we want them to be, we kind of exploit that too much. Like it becomes, um, you know, like like for example, uh, I remember when the when Elder Scrolls Oblivion came out, and they had so much trouble fitting all of that voiced dialogue onto the game CDs. The game before it, Morrowind, had had very little voice acting in it, and as a result. They, you know, allowed for so much other stuff in the game. But in order to make the game engaging, they had to find ways of storytelling that that was interesting. And they would have, like, little layouts. They would have little visual cues, things that weren't, like, in your face and obvious that you'd work it out, that you'd pay attention to. It would give you reasons to look and in- inspect your in the environment. Uh, Deus Ex um, had this as well. And... Uh, even like the earlier Fallout, actually Fallout is very, very good at this. The Fallout franchise, but I'm thinking specifically of Fallout Three, Fallout New Vegas, and Fallout Four, is that they have these like little rooms that are laid out that they, the way that they look in and of themselves, tell part of the story. Um, so it's, it, but but it definitely with older games because they had so much trouble, or not be, because they had so many limitations uh, in terms of technical limitations, in terms of file size limitations, they had to do, be a lot more creative with their storytelling, and were compelled to be a lot more creative with their storytelling, doing a lot more showing and not telling. Whereas nowadays, I just kind of feel like, oh, there's a part of the story we want, we want the the viewer to to be aware of. Let's just let's just stick it in a narrative. Let's just have these you know long conversations about people talking about their backstory, like it's an incredibly uh, overt kind of uh, thing. Where you know, like you even have characters sort of in 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 Mankind Divided explaining why they're the way that they are, which to me just strikes me as being absurd. Yeah, I, I'm a grizzled war veteran because I experienced trauma in, uh, you know, before the game began and all this kind of stuff. And it's like that, 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 you know, that, that, ex- that you, you've just explained your character. Like, you know, there's no, there's no, it feels so unorganic, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And it does that in many cases. And, and I think that Mankind Divided doesn't do this as well. Now, I've only played through the game once, so maybe this become, might become more apparent as time goes by or uh, through replays. But by and large, I did kind of feel like it lost that little bit of magic. And this is where we get to Neon Struct. Neon Struct feels like a modern incarnation of the early Thief games, Thief 1 and Thief 2. Thief 1 and Thief 2 were very, very brave endeavors. 
because they near they i don't necessarily necessarily say that they invented the stealth the first person stealth genre but they were certainly at the forefront of it um and they certainly did it incredibly well for the time considering that there was you know they they didn't have easy big predecessors to work off of uh that they were they were challenging a lot of the status quo and a, and a lot of the uh games of the, of the era by by genre shifting and by even creating and trailblazing in in the stealth genre and neon struct sort of takes what they did well and then applies that in the mechanics of it all but then also puts it into the, into a very deus ex like world you play, play neon struct you will the the references to deus ex will be obvious uh, in fact the main character in neon struct is called Gillian clary jc which is you know jc being the name of the protagonist in the first deus ex uh, game so like it's it's there it's abundant it's obvious the way that the hub levels are designed in neon struct are obvious uh references to to deus ex as well um i like the stealth meter there's a stealth meter at the bottom of neon struct uh they're actually the in mankind divided i think that was the first game if i recall correctly where there was a stealth meter as well uh which was helpful all things considered and i did like that as a just as a base mechanic of it all neon struct did it really really well um and the graphics are very 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 simple and i like that like it works with very few complex assets with very like it it portrays this atmosphere that is so cold the sound design in this game whilst minimalist is also really good at conveying this atmosphere like the sound of the footsteps on concrete flooring like like the sound like the soundtrack of the game comes from radios in the world and the sound in track uh, is by a band called the home improvements they have their albums up on bandcamp great band actually I'll, I'll put a link to them if i can remember in the description uh, in the uh, show notes for this video actually the soundtrack to this game is amazing and it's 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 put into the game organically through these radios and how it echoes out through these minimalist halls of a dystopian future is chilling and it's amazing and it's like how little things in neon struct really tell you about the world like they don't have trees they have these artificial trees that light up uh that um sometimes the the messages of the world are quite explicitly men explicitly mentioned through characters in the game but really the it they capture the deus ex atmosphere the thing that made the original deus ex game so magical they capture that in neon struct the game itself is actually quite short one of the things that i felt quite strongly about some of the more recent deus ex games uh mankind divided and human revolution they're too long they're too long um and I, 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 I suppose there are so, sort of like economic uh, reasons for it. Uh, but at the end of the day, and, and also like, I think this depends on a sort of uh, situation of life type of thing where, you know, if you've got lots of time to play games, then a really long game is going to be something that you're going to be really sort of pleased about. But uh, Neon Struct is shorter. And I think as a result of that, it makes it has have a deeper impact. Also, it means that like, having a really good game that has great replayability and compels you to replay to understand the levels better 
but it's shorter, is definitely better than a game that is longer that you'll only play once or twice. Like, I love replayability in games, and I love complex levels and great things. One thing I will say about Neon Struct, um, and I, you know, it's it's. I don't know whether or not you consider it to be a fair comparison that Neon Struct is 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 done by a much smaller studio, but you do not have uh, much in the way of character. Uh, development in terms of the from the RPG side of things in the Unstruct, uh, you your character does not have like does not build on skills. They get a few gadgets and all that kind of stuff, but they do not have a skill tree. In the original Deus Ex, they do, and, and that was kind of cool actually. So with the original Deus Ex, you could become a faster swimmer, you could hit harder, you can. Um, you can also build your 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 character with with powers. So you can jump higher. You can turn invisible, and you can manipulate the electronic world around you, and all these kind of things. And as a result of that, the original Deus Ex they had to build their levels so that any character build can make their way through them. So there would be parts of the level that you could swim through. There'd be parts of the level that you you could jump over. And they the the difference in character builds lent itself to really complex and well created level design. With Neon Struct, because you everyone plays with essentially the same character through the game, uh, I kind of feel that the levels, whilst interesting, multi-layered, and replayable, are not as complex and intricately designed as the original Deus Ex. That's not a fair comparison per se, but and it's not necessarily uh, a true critique because the level design in Neon Struct is amazing. But I think the thing that Neon Struct captures so well is that atmosphere, which I think has not been captured by Mankind Divided. And I think that Neon Struct, as an homage to the Deus Ex franchise, has has become is incredibly successful because it captures what we remember about the game. I also feel that it sort of updated it in certain ways, particularly as well with the stealth mechanics. Uh, also with the basic graphic design, I like that in a lot of ways because it means that the the artifacts in the world they're very clear you know what you're looking at you know what you can see all of that kind of stuff it's a very clear world absolutely so i'm sort of um rattling on a little bit i'm going to put a link to both of those games in the show notes uh but yeah neon struct uh definitely worth a look definitely worth a look if you are looking for a spiritual successor uh, or or a spiritual reinterpretation of the deus ex franchise great stealth mechanics great atmosphere um and i had a, had a great time playing it and i'm certainly going to be playing it again um and i probably will, will be playing mankind divided like that adds some good moments in it too but ultimately because of how mankind divided was received by the community uh I, um, you know, I question whether or not we'll see another Deus Ex game in the franchise soon. It's rare that these franchises will ever be, you know, completely uh, left behind and, and discarded. I suspect in a couple of years they might try with a reboot. And I think, quite frankly, that's probably for the best because, and just on a personal note here, I didn't really find the the, the main protagon- protagonist, Adam Jensen, as particularly engaging or interesting. He felt very generic, you know, gravelly voiced uh you know dude really you know like like stereotypical uh action hero type of territory and uh even with 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 characters before him with the you know uh jc denton and with the alex dentons uh they they were maybe not the most interesting of characters but they at least weren't so dang generic you know (laughs) but uh that being said, I you know it'd be interesting to see how the series uh, cracks on, but um, 
I think there's, uh, I think there's, there's, you know, I'd be interested in the the indie successors to the uh, or indie spiritual successors rather. This episode of Game Sphere is brought to you by, of course, DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud-native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point to your GitHub repository and let the App Platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, and Docker. DigitalOcean runs their app platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with other products. Plus, they built this new app platform on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control over your infrastructure setup. As a listener of the GameSphere podcast and the Destination Linux network, you can get started for free. And in fact, better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a hundred dollars of credit when you sign up by going to do.co slash dln. That's do.co forward slash dln. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of the GameSphere and for generally being kind to the Destination Linux network. Thank you very much, DigitalOcean. As uh Wonderful. So one of my favorite multiplayer games of all time, Don't Starve Together, has entered the Winter's Feast event. Now, this is an annual event on the game. Uh, It's been uh, running since 2016, and uh, it basically means that the game enters a Christmas period. Uh, That means that certain items in the game become Christmassy. There are Christmas-themed mini-games and treats and trinkets and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm going to put some footage up of... Of my friend Matt ruining Christmas. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, uh, Don't Starve Together is a wonderfully fascinating and unique survival game which sees several characters mysteriously transported to a realm known as the Constant. They know little about it um, other than uh, it somewhat comedically mimics parts of reality uh, with animals like the moose goose and the beerger and the deer clops and if those words mean nothing to you they certainly will do once you've faced them in the game these are some quite formidable creatures i can assure you um but yeah you play with your friends it is by and large cooperative although there are more you know there are more combative combative game modes um and the aim of the game is to survive to not starve you go through your four seasons autumn winter spring and summer each with their own challenges so for example in winter you've got to stave off the cold in summer you've got to stop yourself from getting too hot in spring you've got the rain uh, and in the autumn you have the beerger <laughs> and you'll work out what the beerger is i can assure you um now with the winter and the summer they're the more intense seasons that you have to uh, you know bunker down for in a lot of cases or deal with and you use your spring and your autumn uh in order to they're your easier seasons so that you can then prepare for what lies ahead um it, the the art style of this game is absolutely beautiful and i've got to give it to um to cly the developers 
they have th added and built on this game. They never had to. Like, they could have just rolled this game out the door and left it, but they have been adding tons and tons of free content for years now simply because of their passion for this game. And I uh, thank them enormously. Now, there are, it is paid DLC when it comes to things like cosmetics, and and, um, and, and that's what they've been... Um, using as a mechanism to to keep uh, you know the game financially supported through uh through all of this but it's nice that when they release a lot of the the in-game DLC or a lot of the in-game extras and and the new stuff into the game like that's available for everyone um and those that just wish to support um can then buy the buy the cosmetics to keep the 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 development of the game running uh, and that to me is is really quite nice because it it means that then you know players with money and players without money are not really you know separated or even still casual players that just want to play from time to time there are free ways uh to unlock a lot of the, the gear as well so it's not like if you know uh it, it's not like if you're not really buying any of the dlc you're left out in the cold there's plenty of stuff and in fact there's stuff that can only be unlocked for free as well if i'm uh, not mistaken so that's all pretty cool um you play as different characters, uh, and these different characters can very much determine your your different play style. You can play as a, a character that's quite good at combat, uh, or you can play as a character that's quite good at crafting, or you know, crafting in different ways. There's one character that's particularly good at cooking meals, and in a game like Don't Starve, well, that certainly has its advantages. Uh, you have characters that can grow a hearty beard and keep themselves warm. Uh, it's a game that really does keep you on your toes. Like you can find yourself playing. I think I played for like five hours just last night with some friends, um, and uh, it, it tires you out. It keeps you engaged, and uh, it really does sort of uh, well. It tests your friendship, and uh, if you can come out the other side remaining friends, you'll be close as you've ever been. I can assure you that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and the add-ons that they throw that the, the, the they throw out as well are, are fantastic. Like one of the more recent additions is seafaring. You can build a ship and be a pirate on the high seas, and that is amazing. I love I love seafaring in the game as well. It just it's so fascinating, so exciting, um, and and you're exploring the unknown in a world of unknowns. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, so. You know, I, I do have to give this game a recommendation. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's wonderful. Um, and entering the uh, the winter's feast has just, it's given you a reason to pick up the game again, a nice little prompt. And a lot of my friends who are perhaps a little bit more Christmassy than myself have really enjoyed uh, building a Christmas tree and decorating it in the game as well, as well as doing some of the Christmas challenges, like you've got to hunt down a gingerbread it's not a gingerbread man it's like a gingerbread sheep or something i don't know uh, it, but yeah um and they add characters from time to time as well with little short films to introduce them which are wonderful the world that they that that, that the world of don't starve is such an interesting world as well like it does keep your attention about how a failed magician was thrown into this realm and became the master of it um it's it's yeah like it, it truly is um it truly is remarkable um and it is kind of got that sort of uh you know victorian aesthetic as well which is very creepy and i you know it's really quite really quite nice really quite charming done by a studio that genuinely cares about the game oh gingerbread pig there we go and there's a gingerbread gingerbread pig house and all of that kind of stuff so if you're if you're a fan of gingerbread baked goods then uh then the winter's feast is good for you 
uh, it's a grand um yeah and also actually there are some they, they they have thrown in a rather interesting game mechanic of the christmas feast uh so not only in this game are you strug- uh, are you you know struggling to balance your your um you know not starving as it were but you've also of course got your your physical health in terms of health points damage so you know you don't want to get you know hit and 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 hurt too badly but also you have to uh, juggle your mental health as well um and actually having the christmas feast is uh is quite a quite a is an interesting new mechanic and a new way to um uh to to help your your mental health there which is which is pretty good uh, all characters have to deal with it and uh the world will affect their mental health in different ways uh but you have to work cooperatively um to get the best of all your strengths and to mitigate all of your weaknesses um it's a great team building game uh great for teamwork um and yeah like it's it's everything that i want out of a um uh, a cooperative game it works across windows mac and linux i think that it's on other platforms as well maybe mobile possibly like the nintendo switch or something but it's not cross platform uh other than um across the pc uh versions um but yeah uh, absolutely wonderful game uh and 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 it's nice to see um the the winter's feast back with some new interesting stuff so yeah if you're inclined uh give it a look and to round off this largely multiplayer themed episode of gamesphere i'm just going to talk a little bit about portal 2 yes it's not exactly recent i know i know but man is it a masterpiece and i've recently rediscovered it with my lovely girlfriend rebecca we played um one of the community maps um the community maps are really good especially on multiplayer uh you can decide to play games based on like their rating so we always end up just playing the highest rated games that highest rated uh, puzzles that we haven't played um they usually take me in the ballpark of like 90 minutes with the partner to to solve um i've played many a, a community map on on portal 2 um and 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 they're just like they're great fun but they'll they'll tire your brain out like it's a brain workout i can assure you on that uh you play as atlas and peabody two charming uh robots i guess they're charming i mean they don't really talk but they 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 kind of have characters and the way that they work through the plot of the uh, of the the co-op section of of portal 2 is great the the co-op main story mode section of portal 2 is great as well but that won't take you too long to complete usually with 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 friends it'll be a couple of sessions and and we'd have completed it uh but it's nice just to have a one-off uh go at the community maps which yeah i mean some community maps will be short you'll do them in half an hour some will be like quite long might take you the best part of two hours and unfortunately there isn't really an easy way to work out how long one's going to take especially if you get stuck on you know one of those really annoying puzzly bits where it's like right in front of you and you just you just can't work it out there and then and then all of a sudden it'll, you'll just get that moment of clarity the light bulb bing, will go off above your head and and you'll work it out so yeah yeah set some time aside for it i personally am always incredibly frustrated when uh you know i don't have the time to properly work out a puzzle i always try and do it with enough time to make sure um and there will be moments when you're like you're facing a puzzle and you think i can't solve this i can't solve this i can't solve this and like it's a test of your mental metal to push through and it is so rewarding there are few games as rewarding i know i talk about that a lot in games when it's like the rewarding factor that that dopamine rush you get from like winning um but to me beating a good co-op puzzle in portal 2 
will just hit that spot i will i will feel so smart when i when i complete that puzzle i am yeah like and and i will go so far as to say portal 2 is a masterpiece um it's a puzzle game you play with portals uh i i would give a little bit more background about the game but you've probably already seen a fair amount of it now on the screen if you're watching this on youtube um but yeah like it's puzzle it's just a puzzle solving game you use portals you shoot a hole in the wall and then you go in one hole it comes out another um and there are you know uh factors that are um, amalgamated uh, out of that um it's one of those games. It's, it has one of those characteristics, characteristics of games that I truly love, where they take a reasonably straightforward game mechanic and build the game around that. They don't make the game any more complex than it needs to be. It's comprehensible in the mind of the the end user, the player, and then from that you bring in new puzzles um, where you apply those core mechanics, and it's great. It's great. It's a bit like super hot in that regard. Although you know, you would obviously say that Portal Two is the is the is is the grandfather of the or Portal is the grandfather of the genre there. Um, but yeah, Portal Two. Like some people will say that like Portal One was like the true masterpiece. Like it was a hundred percent of a game and a hundred percent of a great game. Like it did not put a foot wrong. Whereas then people will then go on to say that Portal 2 might be like 200% of a game, 180 of which is is amazing, you know, like it's perfect, it's, you know, and there's 20% that's not, not quite perfect there. So there's more to Portal 2, but there are also small imperfections in that in that formula. I would be inclined to disagree. I think Portal 2, I think I would say, is every bit as much of a masterpiece as as its predecessor both masterpieces in their own way both amazing trailblazers in their own way i think that portal 2's biggest strength is in the co-op definitely like the portal uh the portal 2 single player as amazing as it is and, and it's pretty cool voice acting by uh, by stephen merchant there uh, it, it does fundamentally equate to portal but with extra stuff uh whereas you know bringing in the the cooperative uh component adds just so much more to the game it's amazing you you have more portals to work with um you have two sets of portals so four portals in the cooperative whereas you know with single player you only have two um so it just opens up the game so much more and you know what i'm going to say something which is controversial even among amongst myself which is that i don't think the portal franchise the portal franchise needs a portal 3 i know a lot of people anticipate a portal 3 and they want a portal 3 because portal 1 and 2 have just been such amazing games but you know what unless portal 3 can bring something as groundbreaking to the franchise as as either of the two predecessors i I think that we should allow Portal 1 and 2 to be and exist as the masterpieces that they are. Some people might argue that future games into the franchise will not affect the quality of the original two, but by perspective, they often can. Um, it's like a TV series where it has like it starts off with the first couple of amazing series and then the quality of the show drops off in later seasons and then that drop off then you know like can make you less likely to want to go back and rewatch that show 
in many ways, like that peripheral effect, that that echo effect, that knock-on effect can apply in video games as well. Uh, like it can sully the franchise. Um, and and yeah, like if Portal 3 is just going to be Portal 2, but new levels with extra bits, you know, with extra bits and pieces in, it, it, it's it's... It's it's not gonna go, you know. It's not going to be a portal game. A portal game is groundbreaking in, you know, it brings something wholly new to to puzzle games and to the to the series itself. And I don't think you can do that on demand. I don't think you can't just build a masterpiece and and just on demand. It does doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. Portal One was not built on a massive budget. It was it was as I understand it built from is a bit of a side project done with the Source Two. Sorry, with the Source Engine. And uh, yeah, Portal Two. I mean, it's it, you know th- that that cooperative element is uh, has, has it's what I keep going back to. It's what I keep going back to, uh, and I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's the straightforward. You know, many people will also reflect on the plot elements of it and the meaning behind the plot. And there are some great arguments to be had there great some great video essays some great points of view some great like what they've done with the plot and the characters and their their commentary uh on 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 the wider world as well whilst incredibly subtle and and by all accounts probably goes over most people's heads is is in a is part of the genius like this is such a remarkable game but on a more just like basic puzzle game i love puzzle games i love puzzle games um Portal 2 is one of the best. I think we all know it. And and if you haven't already, you know, grab a friend and try out the the, the co-op um, community maps. They're really good. I, you know, you're going to need a good friend, someone who you can communicate with. You're going to need some good voice chat. Uh, you know, get the Discord up and running. Get your mumble up and running, um, or your Zoom calls or whatever you you use, Skype, I suppose, whatever. You know, and um, and, and and have a go. Like the 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 games go on sale quite regularly but i i I suspect most people do have the portal games you know already installed uh and it's available on geforce now so you don't even have to install it if you if you're on geforce now um but yeah um just a game i've been playing this week and i wanted to tell you about it because i i love it so anyway, that's going to be about it from me today. Um, I don't. Uh, I'm not going to do feedback in 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 every episode. But if you do have any feedback for the show, I'm just going to like bundle it and do it in in one section every couple of shows. I think uh, there's going to be an email address in the show notes as well as just pop by the Destination Linux Network forums, uh, which will also of course be linked in the uh, the description and the show notes. Uh, but it's been great hanging out with you folks as always. Um, and uh, yeah, like send me anything you want me to cover or any interesting news i'm also on mastodon but those of you that are on mastodon probably already follow me i think <laughs> but anyway you can go to chrisware.uk to find all your social media stuff uh, including you know i stream on twitch and, and and all that business um but yeah let me know what i should cover let me know your thoughts feedback feelings all that business and uh yeah thank you folks very much for joining me today uh, i have been chris ware and you have been listening to the gamesphere Toodaloo.